In this inaugural episode, we may dive into some deep insights about Psalm 1. And through this analysis, we may find some indications about what does it mean to feel blessed from an analytical point of view, of course, and what is the attitude that strives through the self and through the individuation process. Starting with someone, we will be able to greet in one shot the work of Edward Edinger and Eric Neumann beyond Jung himself and to connect it to the hidden tradition. You shall find all the references in the notes of this release, and also I started with it not only because it is a text cherished by both Christian and Jews as a source of prayer and reflection, but while I am recording this one, I just noticed that today is the day that people greet the righteous man. That is the main theme of this episode. So, as Edinger stated in his book The Sacred Psyche, The Psalms were born from encounters with the Nominos, carrying with them the potential to activate archetypal energies for those who are receptive to their influence. And Edinger suggests that if in the religious perspective people speak that God dwells within the Psalms, from an analytical standpoint we could say that the self can be discovered within these sacred words. Now, let me read Psalm 1 using the King James translation before delving into its analysis. So, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walked not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standed in the way of sinners, nor seated in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. We can see that the psalm indicates that the blessed is the man who is righteous and who follows the Torah. And this man will be happy and his work will prosper and so forth. And the evil man, on the other hand, the Rasha, will perish as all his work. I wish that we could suspend in this moment any institutional mindset that could leave us to the understanding that one should follow some rules to be happy or to follow the written Torah. And let's see what tradition and the profound psychology have to say about it. So to Psalm 1, Edinger writes the following question. What does it mean to be righteous man, to follow the Torah, and what is the logic to one feel blessed in a psychological context? First of all, the word that opens Psalm 1 and logically The book of Psalms is not blessed. In fact, is Ashrei, or in English may be translated as happy, which, following Edinger, in this context, is directly related to the tzaddik, the righteous. So, the righteous is the one who is happy. But with our translation of the concept of righteousness, Edinger speaks that it sounds like 
the one who follows Allah, just like a judge or something like this. Well, the tzaddik for the Jew, for the Hasidic one, that is the mystical Hebrew tradition, so to speak, have a different connotation. In fact, now as Neumann writes, in early Hasidism, which was the Jewish movement that in its early manifestation applied the teaching of the hidden wisdom, the tzaddik was a figure that led the students and the little community that they live in. The tzaddik played a role as the shaman played in other cultures. Following Neumann's research, the tzaddik represents the dimension of wholeness and oneness. This is his inner meaning. On the subjective level, as one who unites the parts of the soul, it is also his main characteristic to heal human beings and the world, connecting God and the world above and below. This character of making whole is described as, now Neumann is quoting the tradition, the tzaddik's characteristic is connection, like a seal that blinds two things into one, that can no longer be separated. So the character of the tzaddik connects worlds and brings down abundance from primordial wisdom to the lowest level. So from this, Neumann states that the characteristic of the tzaddik is that he restores and permanently establishes the original male-female wholeness, not only within himself, but also in the world. So the tzaddik possesses this whole making healing function as the doctor of those whose souls are sick. He is the one who can provide a new understanding to things that are without dust. He does this by awakening the sparks in the human soul, by leading the individual to himself, and by letting him discover and realize his own psychic level. His task is to lead the individual to his own light, He must ensure that the individual does not think that the rabbi helped him, but that the individual himself found his center. These are Neumann words. And if we recur to the root of the word tzaddik, we can see that it has the same root as tzayat, which means hunter. But the tzaddik is not any hunter. He is the hunter of the letters yud and kuf. These letters represent the numbers 10 and 100, respectively, representing the oneness in the realm of multiplicity. It is to say, he is the one who can see unity in all things. It is he who can see the divine spark manifested in creation. And to make this statement less abstract, let's think of that person who can see synchronicity, who can connect it to its own process. Here, he's living in that eternal moment that is the now, right? This is why the tzaddik is the beacon of divinity on earth, or in analytical psychology, refers to being the beacon of the self, logically. is the one who has the mana personality, or, as Neumann speaks, he is the great man, that man that when we talk with one of these, he brings richness and liveness to the world. As the tradition speaks now, the tzaddik is a plant that pulls sparks out of the earth. That's why I referred to synchronicity. It is when the person is so connected to his antenna 
in such an appropriate way that he succeeds in connecting what is not obvious, slitching together his psychic story with what he is living in the material realm, just making that seal that the tradition mentioned, that seal that connects the psychic world with the manifested world. And now the psalm opposites the figure of the righteous, this man that can make this connection, to the figure of the evil or ungodly. And the evil would be the one who splits the conscious and the unconscious. And when we pay attention to the word in Hebrew, the rasha, the ungodly, it has its root in the word bad, that is in Hebrew, ra, composed by the letters resh and ein. The hidden tradition translates these two letters as if they were the head of two words, which were Ratzon Atzmi, when Ratzon stands for will and Atzmi for my own. So the evil is the one who has the desire to observe things only for himself. In other words, the egoistic or the narcissistic. He feels like the center of the world. This type thinks that everything is in terms of something built for him or to himself. He doesn't depend on others or something bigger, as if the ego was the great force of the individual, incurring in so-called inflation. And the psalm indicates the end of this type in a very clear way that that psychology would say that is the so-called enantiodromia, which is to say that everything that is one-sided tends to be compensated from its opposite. As like to say that everything that egoistic mindset tried to keep for himself in the end should be lost. Edward Edinger speaks that the righteous is the one who is self-oriented and the wicked the one who walks in opposition to the self. So this was the first symbolic approach to Psalm 1 and I hope that we achieve to indicate with more clear consciousness what is the tzaddik and what is the rasha, the evil or the wicked. Well, and now we can head into the second and last main theme of this psalm that is about the meaning of the Torah. Because according to the psalm, the happy one is he who delights in the law of the Lord. And here we have a problem that needs clarification because law in Hebrew means Torah. And when we say Torah, usually we think about the Pentateuch, that is the five books of Moses, or a code of laws, or even the Bible. And of course, in a literal level, this would be right. Edward Edinger speaks that in fact, the Torah in a symbolic context represents the equivalent of what is the philosopher's stone in alchemy. Because it is the inner law that refers to the one who is guided by the self and the one who has an ego self-axis well established. So the blessed, righteous, is the one who listens to the self and follows its determination. In his research, Edinger speaks that the meaning of the word Torah is related to the Hebrew verb yara, that means to point, direct, instruct. 
It means to teach or to point the way that we will come. So the happy human being, again, is the one that follows the path of the self. And we can see how this insight from Edinger is in tune from what Jung himself is teaching. And now I am quoting him. So you must inquire what experiment the self wants to make. Everything that disturbs that experiment must be avoided and everything that helps must believe it. And you will see the consequences on the spot. If you do something which disturbs the experiment, you will be punished. And if you do something which rather serves your experiment, you will have the blessing of heaven and the angels will come to dance with you. You are helped along. And mind you, it is not the ego that wants to make that experiment. Often the ego says, For God's sake, I only hope that this thing is not coming for me. If you have a fundamental dread somewhere, you can be sure that is just the experiment of the self. Looking only from a religious perspective, it may sound quite heterodox. But now let's face what Eric Neumann found in his research, in his book, The Roots of the Jewish Consciousness. Eric Neumann illustrates the idea behind the word Torah from Hasidic stories, the early Hasidic movement, which I ask permission to read. So the Tzaddik Kotzen was speaking to his students. On a Shabbat, when my room is full of people, it is difficult for me to say Torah, for each person requires his own Torah, and each wishes to find his own perfection, and so what I give to all I withhold from each. Following Neumann, the revolutionaries of this most individual form of the care of souls can be gouged only if it is seen against the background of a collective Judaism, in which the religious potency of the individual is small, whereas that of the collective community is extraordinarily great. One of the sharpest formulations in this respect is the answer given by a tzaddik to an inquirer student. The rabbi of Kotsk, again, asked a self-assured youth, Can you learn? Yes, he replied. The rabbi then asked, Do you know the meaning of the word Torah? The youth fell silent. The meaning of the word Torah is it teaches. But you believe you can learn by yourself? This saying following Newman is expanded by another. There is no man who is not incessantly being taught by his soul. One disciple then asked, If this is so, why don't men obey their souls? The soul teaches incessantly, Rabbi explained, but it never repeats. I am teaching you the best way of saying Torah. If you lack all feeling of yourself, but your ear hears the world of the word speaking to you and not speaking your own words, and as soon as you hear your own words, you immediately break off. Well, Neumann explained that this is not a form of mystical glossolalia, that is, speaking in tongues. Saint Torah is identical here with a form of teaching, in that the it teaches requires clear consciousness, in that the Torah itself speaks, and in that human wholeness, the self, 
can express itself when the union is achieved between the creative unconscious and consciousness. This prophetic static orientation in which the speaker is attached to this upper spiritual world, let's say, proceeds from the state of what we call inspiration. And inspiration is the name of which comes from the word spirit in breathing. The concept of inspiration corresponds exactly to the in-breathing of the spiritual principle of life. Thus, the psychology of creative process ultimately constitutes the religious and spiritual background on Hasidism and defines the ego's new relationship with self within it. In the same way, speaks Neumann, to understanding on the symbolic level, the inwardness of the world becomes tangible. And if, on this level, the ego experiences itself as an event of the self and as a part of a superordinate whole, then we see the formulation that attributes the real activity of life no longer to the ego, but to the background of the world and the soul. So now we can see how in tune are Edward Edinger, Carl Gustav Jung and Eric Neumann when the street thinkers found themselves trying to be in relationship with the unconscious. We can see this kind of religious attitude that is necessary from a person to towards the unconscious and to be in contact with the self. It is a process of listening, listening to the world, listening to the soul and to put this in practice. This is quite similar from what we read in the book of Sohar. And as I promise to merge the analytical research to the mystical tradition, I am bringing a little quote from the book of Sohar from the Parashat Vaet Hanan. So now I'm bringing this quote from the Zohar that is a counsel. And I wish that you that are listening till now replace the word Torah, not as a book, thinking that the Torah is the soul or the self speaking to us. So this is the counsel that we found in the book of Zohar. The counsel one should follow in this world is to engage in the Torah day and night never departing from it, as it is written. Meditate on it day and night. Joshua 1.8 If one turns away from Torah or separates from it, it is like separating oneself from life. So, following this, my dear friends, I think that we can connect the Psalm 1, which points what does it mean to feel blessed, what does it mean to follow the Torah, to follow the law of the Lord? And what does it mean to be a rasha, a evil and wicked man that is to avoid this path? So, dear friends, thank you for listening. I hope that this presentation become a conversation. Always feel free to write, comment and to suggest some researches. I hope to see you soon. All the best and goodbye.